Welcome back to the Living Richer Podcast. You're listening to episode number 10, and I'm your host, Mark Shimkovitz. So in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Registered Retirement Savings Plan, the RRSP. And with the RRSP deadline coming up fairly soon on March the 1st, it's certainly a topic you're hearing a lot about. And while a lot of people regularly contribute to their RSP, they don't always know all of the benefits of having one, or certainly some of the ways that you can leverage them. So today I'm going to break it all down for you, what they are, how they work, who they benefit, and why you should consider them. Now, you may not, you may know a lot of that stuff, but you probably should listen because I'm also going to share some smart ways that you can leverage your RSP that you may not be aware of, but you probably should. Without any further ado, cue the music. Welcome to Living Richer with Mark Shimkovitz, Vice President at Raymond James Private Client Group, one of Canada's largest independent investment firms. In this podcast, he'll share with you the things you need to know and things you need to do to build a smart financial plan. Follow along with Mark and learn how to invest wisely, avoid financial mistakes, and navigate life's curveballs without fear. Now, let's get started. So in this week's episode, we are going to be doing a little bit of a deep dive on RSPs, but more specifically on some of the strategies you're not aware of. But before we get into that, just a few of the details that you probably are, but maybe could use a little bit of reminding. So the deadline this year for making an RSP contribution is Monday, March the 1st, and that's for a deduction against your 2020 income. The RSP contribution limit for 2020 is 18% of your 2019 earned income up to a maximum of 27,230. Now on top of that, you can add any unused contribution from previous years. Don't know what your limit is? Check out the notice of assessment that the Canada Revenue Agency sent you last year and it'll be indicated there. But remember, there's a big difference between what you can put in and what you should put in. And you'd want to speak to your financial advisor or your accountant to figure out what makes the most sense for you. So let's take a step back and look at, first of all, why you contribute to an RSP. And there's two main benefits. Number one, the money that you put in each year is tax deductible. Number two, any growth or income that you receive is allowed to grow and compound tax sheltered. Because your contribution works as a tax deduction, it lowers your taxable income. And here's a, a simple example of how that works. Say you made $100,000 and your employer withheld the right amount of tax um, on your pay. If you make a $10,000 RSP contribution, it reduces your taxable income from $100,000 to $90,000. The difference between whatever tax would be payable on $90,000 and the amount of tax that was withheld on $100,000, that's going to come back to you in the form of a tax refund. In addition to the tax savings up front, the other major benefit of an RSP is the tax-sheltered growth. Because you're not paying tax on income or growth along the way, your wealth is able to grow a lot quicker as compared to, say, holding investments in a non-registered account where you are paying taxes along the way. Now, it's important also to note that an RSP doesn't provide permanent shelter from taxation, but rather it defers the amount of tax that you pay until a future date. And what that means is that at some point down the road, you are going to withdraw it. And when you withdraw that, then it's going to be taxable income. However, you know, since you're going to probably taking, be taking that money out in retirement, you'll convert it to a retirement income fund. Your taxable income is likely going to be lower um, when you do begin to withdraw the funds 
as compared to the tax refund that you got when you put it in. As another aside, because of the fact that you do have to pay tax on withdrawals, we find that people are a lot less likely to draw on that money before retirement. So it certainly helps to make your retirement savings a little more secure. So now we've covered the basics um, of the RSPs. Um, there's definitely some smart ways that you can leverage them. And I, I want to share a few. The first one, did you know that an RSP can be used to help you pay for your home? So you might be familiar with the home buyer's plan, but in case you aren't, here's how it works. One of the greatest features of an RSP is the ability to give first-time home buyers um, the opportunity to coordinate their RSP strategy with the purchase of a house. Under the home buyer's plan, you and your spouse can each withdraw up to $35,000 from your RSP as a down payment. So that's $70,000 that you can use. Uh, this is a great option for a lot of people because it gives you the ability to draw from some of your existing resources to help you accumulate the 20% minimum down payment that you might be looking at in order to pay, uh, have to avoid paying some of the default insurance premiums. So I always recommend, this is another aside, um, trying to go with that because it is expensive, those premiums. Now here's an interesting twist. Even if you've if you already have enough money, um, to make the down payment, it still might make sense to access your RSP through the home buyer's plan. Here's how it works. Say you've got that money saved up. Assuming you have enough contribution room in your RSP, you contribute $35,000, which is what you're going to be taking out, to your RSP. You get a tax deduction. Now, you have to do this at least 90 days before the closing, so that's important. Then, you simply withdraw the money from your home buyer's plan. The advantage? Well, the $35,000 that you contributed is going to be a tax deduction for you. Use any tax refund that you receive to repay the RRSP or other expenses that are related to buying your home. So, to qualify, RRSP funds you're using must be on deposit, as I said, for at least 90 days, and you must also provide a signed agreement to buy or build a qualifying home. And it's important to note that any money that you borrow from an RSP under the home buyer's plan has to be paid back over a 15-year period with minimum payments every year. Let's make the numbers a little easier. If you withdrew $30,000, you have to pay back $2,000 a year. Here's a second tip for you. Use your RSP to pay for your education. A lot of listeners might be familiar with the Home Buyers Plan, but you may not have heard of the Lifelong Learning Plan, LLP. Um, in addition to using the RSP for retirement or to buy your first home, it can also be used to fund you or your spouse's education. It's similar to a Home Buyers Plan in that you're withdrawing money tax-free from your RSP, and there's some rules that you have to know about when you pay it back. So here's how it works. Under the LLP, you can withdraw up to $10,000 a year or $20,000 in total to finance full-time education for yourself or, as I said, for your spouse. If both spouses withdraw funds, that's a total of $40,000 that can be available over two years and the student must be enrolled in a qualifying educational institution. Now, most Canadians and uh, most Canadian universities, sorry, and colleges, and and a lot of foreign educational institutions will qualify. 
Uh, the amounts withdrawn under the LLP, unlike the home buyer's plan, actually have to be repaid over a 10-year period starting five years after the first withdrawal or two years after you finish studies, whichever comes first. There's no penalties for withdrawing, uh, sorry, for returning funds to uh, LLP uh, before the required time period. So, you know, early repayment allows taxpayers to continue to maximize tax benefits from investing in an RSP as soon as possible. You can actually participate in the plan as many times as you want over your lifetime, starting the year after you bring your LLP balance to zero. So, you know, if you're a, a, a student or wants to take multiple courses, you can do it again. I'm going to put a link for more information uh, to the LLP in the show notes, and that's going to have details on who can participate and how you can do it. Number three, uh, well, this is actually kind of two tips in one. RSPs allow you to income split in retirement to reduce taxes. Now, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you've heard me say it's not just about how much you make, it's how much you keep. And that philosophy should definitely continue into retirement when, you know, smart tax planning is probably more important than ever. Often after retirement, one spouse might have more income than another. For example, if you receive income from an RRSP or a company pension, you might fall into a higher tax bracket than your spouse. By transferring up to 50% of your pension income through splitting, you can reduce your tax bill and bring down the net income for tax purposes. The other thing is if you've turned 71 and you've converted your RSP to a RIF, but your spouse is still under 71, using an RSP through spousal RSPs allows the higher income earner to contribute and get a tax deduction to the RRSP for the lower income spouse. And in retirement, the RRSP withdrawals would be taxed in a lower spouse's um, income. Sort of a win-win. And those two retirement income splitting strategies alone can really minimize the amount of tax a couple might pay on their retirement savings. Number four, double dipping with your RRSP contribution. What does this mean? If you've made an RRSP contribution and you expect a tax refund, Instead of spending the money, think about putting it to better use. My advice here, put your refund into your tax-free savings account, assuming, of course, that you still have room. Contributing your RRSP, sorry, contributing to your RRSP and then using the tax refund to add to your tax-free savings account is really going to allow you to leverage the power of your RRSP. See, once the money is in your tax-free savings account, your gains will never be taxed. I call this using the same dollar twice. The other benefit of the strategy is that you'll have a mix of long-term retirement funds through your RSP and potentially shorter-term, more flexible funds through your tax-free savings account. The fifth tip, save those contributions for later. Now, as I mentioned, for the 2020 tax year, working Canadians can contribute up to 18% of their pre-tax income, up to 27230 But just because you have the room and the ability, as I said, it doesn't automatically mean that you should. In fact, if you're young, uh, a younger earner and you're in a lower tax bracket, you may be better off not contributing, allowing your contribution room to grow later on when you're making more money you can use it to a greater advantage. Let me give you an example. Say you're in a 30% tax bracket. If you put $15,000 into your RSP 
you'll get a $4,500 refund. It's, you know, 30% of 15,000. That's not bad. The thing is, a lot of tax brackets are pretty closely grouped together here in Canada. And what does that mean? It means that it's not a huge increase in income that's going to take you from a 30% tax bracket to a 43% tax bracket. If you get to that level and then you put that $15,000 in, that's a $6,450 refund, about $2,000 more. Okay, now if you're in a lower income tax bracket and you're expecting your income to increase significantly in the future, you've max out your tax-free savings account, and you have room to invest into your RSP. What now? Well, here's a pro tip you might not know about. You can actually make contributions to your RSP and not claim them against your current income. There are a few rules that you have to be aware of, and I'm going to put a link to uh, that in the show notes. But in essence, you can contribute money to your RSP this year. You file a form to let the Canada Revenue Agency know that, hey, I'm not using it. I'm going to use it in the future. The money can grow in your RRSP. And then when you're in a higher tax bracket, you'll be able to get a larger refund. And that's when you include it in your tax return. So that's kind of a neat one. Number six, and this is the final one, make a final RRSP contribution before turning 71. I have a client who turned 71, and this is, I think, a good example of how it works, and was required to convert her RRSP to a RIF. But she was still working. She had a good earned income, and because of that, she had built up an uh, RRSP contribution room that she, could, uh, that she could use this year. Since she was converting her RRSP to a RIF in December, she wouldn't have been able to take advantage of it. So what did we do? We made her 2020 contribution in December, just before converting it to a RIF. We knew that there's going to be a penalty for doing that, and the penalty is 1%. She was able to contribute $20,000 to RSP with a penalty of 1%, and it's 1% per month. That meant there was a $200 penalty. However, come January 1st, she was no longer in an over-contribution position, and that's what that penalty is for because she had over-contributed. She was now able to get the tax deduction on her next year's tax return since she was in a 40% tax bracket according to her accountant she'll get an $8,000 refund so a $200 penalty was definitely worth it that one might be a little bit confusing so you definitely want to speak to your uh, financial advisor or your accountant about that if you're about to turn 71 and by the way this applies to spousal plans as well if you're over 71 and you've converted already converted to a RIF, but you have earned income or unused RSP contribution room and your spouse is under 71, you can contribute to the spousal RSP. That helps build up your overall family's retirement assets and you get a tax deduction for contributing um, on your tax return. And just so there's no confusion, even if you make a spousal contribution, your spouse can still make a contribution too, as long as they have contribution room. And of course, your spouse gets to deduct the amount of their RSP contribution um, from their income. So I hope you found this information useful. As always, I welcome uh, getting in touch with all of my listeners. If you've got any questions or, you know, future topics you'd like to hear me cover, please reach out to me. You can connect through our website, that's livingricherwealth.com, or by email, mark 
Shimkovitz, S-H-I-M-K-O-V-I-T-Z, at RaymondJames.ca. I look forward to hearing from you, and I'll see you next time on Living Richer. Information in this podcast is from sources believed to be reliable. However, we cannot represent that it is accurate or complete. It is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell securities. Raymond James Advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. The views are those of Mark Chinkovitz and not necessarily those of Raymond James Chinkovitz. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerance before making any investment decisions. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James. James Limited, member of Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Limited, which is not a member of Canadian.